Hello and welcome to The Walk, a podcast where we discuss parenting and what the Bible says about it. God's Word contains truth, encouragement, and application, which we want to share with you. The mom or dad journeying through the chaos of raising kids. From the newborn to the rebellious teenager, our mission is to provide you with hope and skills that allows you to be the parent God calls you to be. I am Tony Smith, your host for the show today, and it is finally fall. I love fall. Up here in Michigan, the temperature begins to drop. Colors change on the tree. Stormy weather with rain and wind. I love it. And since we're entering into a new season, we are also entering into a new series. Over the next nine weeks, we will be focusing on navigating through life with the absence of pretty important people within the family unit. Our discussion will revolve around what it's like to go through life without a mom, without a dad, or without a family altogether. So many people live their life without family members, whether through a death or divorce or abandonment. And the real world seems that much harder to go through when you don't have a basic supportive person like a parent or a grandparent. So here's the kind of structure over the next couple of months. Uh, there is today's topic, which I'll get to that later, and that pretty much sets the stage for this entire series. And there are four areas of relationships that impact our lives greatly if they are absent. And each episode focuses on one of those areas, and they are the absence of a mom, the absence of a dad, the absence of God, and the absence of family. And now each one of those areas is broken up into two separate parts. So for two consecutive weeks, we focus on an aspect of not having one of these particular areas in our lives. And the more that I meet and interact with people and get to know their story and their family dynamic, the more I see the impact in life when they don't have these important relationships. And this is coming from all walks of life. If you're a struggling teenager just trying to stay alive, or if you're now the sole patriarch or matriarch of your family. So I hope you stay tuned and enjoy this series. I know it's going to be awesome and bring a lot of buried feelings to the surface. The upcoming episodes will be great conversation starters with your kids, especially if they're in their teenage years. And it is designed that way. I want you as a mom or a dad to have these challenging conversations with your kids about losing a loved one, even if it's you. Would your children know what to do or how to cope? And the Bible is filled with people who had absent parents or didn't have parents at all. So like I said, I hope you tune in each Tuesday for the next two months and get to know God a little bit closer in the process as we dive in this into this topic of absence. Now, our focus today is setting the stage up for this entire series. So we're entering into the parable of the lost coin. This is one of the most overlooked passages in the New Testament simply because it's sandwiched between two other parables that are a lot easier to relate to and give us more detail. The parable of the lost coin is found between the parables of the lost sheep and the lost son. And there are so many parallels between the first and third parables that 
the middle one, the parable of the lost coin, just kind of feels out of place. Well, I'll tell you, this parable is my all-time personal favorite. It's so short, but brings an immense amount of depth that we often miss as readers of the Bible. And it goes, it goes like this. It's found in Luke 15, verses 8 through 10. It says, Or suppose a woman has ten silver coins and loses one. Doesn't she light a lamp, sweep the house, and search carefully until she finds it? And when she finds it, she calls her friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me, I have found my lost coin. In the same way, I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. I'm going to point out some key details here that make this parable kind of pop. And some of you that are listening may have never thought about these words like this before, but I'm going to share with you what I've discovered and explain how it relates to our series. The first detail we need to look at is that the main character is a woman. The other two parables' main characters are men, but this is a woman. No husband is mentioned, no kids, and so she very well could be a widow, a childless widow possibly, but we don't know. Now, in comparing the other two parables on both sides of the lost coin, there's a shepherd who leaves the 99 sheep and rescues the one that went astray, very similar to the son, Jesus, going out and saving sheep that are lost. The third parable, on the other side of the one that we're focusing on, uh, talks more of the father, representing our own Heavenly Father. But what does the woman represent? That's kind of our key question to start this, this episode. So some scholars believe that the woman represents the Holy Spirit. Other biblical scholars believe that the woman is just a woman or even God as a whole. And some believe that the woman represents the church, the bride of Christ. And I personally believe that last one. But I'd encourage you to dig into God's word yourself and figure it out, or at least figure out, you know, a stance. But reading and studying these passages personally from some time, for some time, this is where I stand until God reveals to me something that I've missed. Nonetheless, that is the first detail we need to focus on, that the woman in this parable could very well represent the church And here are a few reasons why. So it says that the woman has 10 silver coins, of which is probably most of her savings. So imagine losing 10% of your savings, especially if you're like close to retirement. Like that could be, that's a heck of a lot of money. You know, 10% of my savings is, is not a whole lot, just so you know. But it could probably cause a little bit of panic if you just lost 10% of your savings. But what's unique about the silver coins is that they are inanimate objects. They don't have a mind of their own, unlike the sheep and the sun from the other two parables. Don't miss that detail. The sheep from the first parable wandered and got lost. The sun from the third parable rebelled and walked away. But the coin couldn't do that. It simply goes where the owner puts it, which means 
The lost coin was misplaced by the woman. There are no other characters in the parable until the end during the celebration. Anyways, this this leads me to believe that the woman couldn't represent God because God doesn't misplace or lose things. Everything is under his sovereign control. Unlike the sheep and the rebellious son who goes astray, the coin can't do that. So at the very least, it makes me believe that the woman represents the church, the bride of Christ, because we as believers, the, the big C church, are filled with sin. We all know that. We're not perfect as he is perfect. We have a tendency to go astray or misplace things, even things that are most valuable to us. And I also think the coin is analogous to a sinner. Just like the sheep in the sun, even reading at the, reading the end of this parable during the celebration, once the coin is found, there's a huge party. And as is with the angels in heaven when even one sinner repents. But the woman is the focus because she misplaced the coin. And how often do we misplace things in life and frantically look for them? You know, car keys right before you need to leave for work. Wallet with your ID. Your phone is left on the counter or at work or at school. And I'm going to stretch this a little bit because I don't want to drift too far into left field, but... Let's think about this for a minute with some open-mindedness. And please, if you are listening and think this is way too much, don't hesitate to send me an email. I'm trying to honor God as much as the next person as I try to explain his word, but I am by no means perfect. This is just what I've been wrestling with. Because when you think about this woman and who she represents, and think about the coin and what the coin represents there may be some overlap in the meaning behind these two characters. As fallen people, we sin, and we sin a lot. And as a Christian, a Christ follower, we know that God gives us gifts, wonderful gifts, physical and spiritual gifts, and we sometimes misuse those gifts. We use them for selfish gain or simply don't use them at all. Maybe we even misplace those gifts to the point where we don't know where they are anymore. We lose them and search frantically to find them because we were irresponsible. We were the ones who lost the keys because we didn't put them on the key hook or in the fishbowl inside the garage door. You know, being responsible with the simplest things can cause panic and lead to fear or worry frustration, and countless other emotions. And those of you who are parents, especially parents to children who have gone astray spiritually, who don't know the Lord, I know the thought that lurks in the back of your mind. The question of, what could I have done differently? Could I have done more? Did I do enough? Could I have prayed more when they were younger? Could I have been more present in the home instead of at work? These thoughts, these questions, they flood your mind and then feelings of regret and guilt, fear and worry, they sit there and rooted in your heart. Do we misplace the gift of salvation God has given us? Not that we lose our own salvation, but do we extend that gift to others by sharing the Lord with those who we love most? 
Do we live out our faith in front of and alongside our kids and our spouse? Or is it something that we just take out on Sundays and put away for the rest of the week? Well, I tell you, I've missed so many chances and opportunities to reach people and tell them about about Christ, or simply living out my faith instead of pretending. And if we aren't careful, we misplace something so valuable to us. We become irresponsible with something so valuable to us. And then we fall into a panic mode when we try to find it, trying to get it back. Well, the beautiful thing is that the parable doesn't end with a woman losing her coin. But after the break, there are three practical applications to navigate through something like this. So stay tuned. One of my greatest worries and biggest prayers is about the faith of my own kids. I have three daughters, and it brings me great joy that the older two, even at ages six and four, they're learning about God and asking questions. And those seeds that have been planted are starting to take root, and it's been such a blessing. It's been so cool to see. And my prayer is that they keep growing closer to God and clinging to Jesus when life doesn't go their way or when life gets really challenging as they grow older. A fear of them walking away from God is on my mind often. And I think it might be on the mind of several parents. And the thought of me doing everything right and being the best parent, the best dad I can be, it's completely out the window. Like it truly all depends on God and his spirit. My contribution to my kids and raising them is nothing compared to what he can do and what he does on a daily basis. But looking at this parable, the woman does three things to find her lost coin. Three actions in order to find it. First, she lights a lamp. Why would she do that? Why would she turn on the light? Perhaps it's dark out. And she can't see? Yeah, that's one possibility. But another possibility is that there are dark corners and crevices throughout her house. Shadows behind the furniture where she needs to be able to see in those dark, murky areas. Because a coin isn't very big. It can fall into some of the smallest cracks and corners. So she lights a lamp. For us, it's like turning on the lights or grabbing a flashlight. It illuminates everything around us. So on a spiritual note, this is the light of Christ we're talking about. Illuminating yourself with the light of Christ. Let his light shine through you. Be filled with his spirit, allowing him to produce all nine fruits, such as love or patience or joy and gentleness or kindness. And you can't see in the dark. And without the light of Christ, it's like leading the blind as someone who is themselves blind. Secondly, the woman sweeps her house. Sweeping. My oldest daughter, she, uh, she calls the broom the sweep. Like she uses verbs in place of the noun. So instead of saying, hey, I'm going to go get the broom, 
She says, I'm going to go get the sweet. She just calls the object by the verb. So sweeping, she, the woman in the parable, sorry, switching gears here, back to the parable, she's most likely using a broom, you know, a tool used for cleaning. She's sweeping every nook and cranny, every dirty spot, hoping that the lost coin might turn up. Or at the very least, she's making the house clean and easier to find her coin. So what tools has God given you to search for your lost coin? Think about that for a moment. You know, because God doesn't call the equipped. He equips the called for those wanting to serve him. He meets you where you're at, and he provides you with what you need. So what tools has he given you? I'm talking about strengths, biblical, God-honoring strengths. And do you mishandle those those strengths, those tools, Or do you use them for his kingdom? And maybe you are someone who advocates for those who have little or have none. Do you abuse that strength? Do you advocate for your own household? Do you use your bold spirit to bring others down, making them feel inferior to you? Or maybe you have a tool, the tool of listening. You understand and you can sympathize better than anybody else, but does it stop there? simply because you're too afraid to confront or cause conflict. Therefore, you just kind of sit back and watch and observe and say or do nothing. So think about that for a moment. What tools does God give you, and do you use them appropriately? A broom is not the same as a hammer, and it shouldn't be used as such. Lastly, the woman searches carefully. This is action number three. She doesn't meander through the house looking back and forth, back and forth, forgetting where she looked or what she's looking for. No, there is a patient diligence behind searching carefully, scanning every area, looking for any hint that will reveal this long-lost prize. So often when I lose something, before I take the time to actually look for it, I immediately ask Laura. I say... Honey, have you seen the keys? I always lose the keys. And I know she hasn't seen my keys because I'm the one that uses them. Because they're mine. They're my keys. I'm the one who misplaced them. Yet for some reason, I try to take a shortcut and ask for help. Which probably takes more time anyways in the long run. Or think if you lost your wedding band. You know, it slips off your finger and went down the drain, or you left it at work or at the grocery store. You'd go searching carefully for it, diligently retracing every step you took in order to find it. This woman doesn't go asking for help. She's owning up to her actions and is taking responsibility by searching for her coin carefully. And what's funny about this is it doesn't say how long she looked for it. It doesn't give a time, yet she keeps looking until she finds it. And when she finds it, not if, but when, she goes to celebrate. And I think there's something to be said about those words, too. Because so often we feel that once a loved one has gone astray, walks away from the Lord, that our hope for them begins to waver. We begin to doubt or think hope is lost for them. And that's so not true. 
It could have been an entire day that she spent looking for this coin. It could have been years. We don't know. What we do know is that after these three steps, she finds her coin. The thing of immense value that she misplaced. And just like the other two parables, there is a celebration. So as an intro episode to this series, how does this all apply to the concept of absence? Well, when the most valuable people in our lives go astray or are lost or are never to return, that's incredibly damaging on an emotional level and a mental level, not to mention a spiritual level. We become consumed with insecurity and self-doubt, wondering what went wrong or if we are the problem. Just like the woman in this story, what do we do? She misplaced something so valuable to her, but she did some pretty significant things to find what she had lost. When someone that is so valuable to you is missing, there are going to be some pretty significant things we need to do to get through whatever storm life brings us with those people that aren't there. And every life situation is different, you know, privileged or unprivileged. You know, regardless, God is with us. God is with you. Even in the darkest, most confusing moments of life, even when we mess up, because it will happen, we always mess up. So over the next few months, We focus on navigating those areas of life where there is an absence, the absence of a loving mom, the absence of a supportive father, the absence of a family altogether, and the absence of a relationship with God. So I am excited to share with you this series over the next couple of months. I encourage you to tune in each Tuesday and check out what comes next, especially if you have a loved one that has passed away or you have that empty space that you feel a mom or dad or family member should fill, I think you'll be blessed by this series. That's all for today. Items, links, and show notes can be found in the description of wherever you listen to podcasts. We want to say thank you to Pixabay Music and all of you that are listening We appreciate all of your support. And thanks again. This is The Walk.